Hey guys, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Allegiant Fasting Show. And today I've got a big, big entrepreneur on my podcast. His name is George Pitts. And he's going to be, and we're going to be discussing entrepreneurship. Hope you enjoy the show. Could you give the listeners a bit of a background about who you are, where you're from, and what you're about? Sure. So, uh, first of all, my name is George Pitts. Uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur, um, IT systems engineer. <clears throat> um, I own my own IT consulting business. Um, I also have a online business and financial coaching business. And what I do is I teach people how to leverage their skills, their backgrounds into um, profitable income streams that they can use both to teach people about things, to um, you know, get into coaching, get into courses, webinars, because the online space has pretty much become universal, universal in that space. And so what I do is I help people basically tap into that, uh, into that area by finding out what their niche is, finding out what skills they have that can be profitable and turn those things into profitable digital products for them to, uh, have a side hustle that can help them improve their finances or, uh, even have a full-time, um, business and completely transform their finances. What got you into this entrepreneurial and financial coaching business? It's really, uh, if you really want to be honest, man, it's, uh, it's a funny story. It was by accident. Um, so I was over at a friend's for a friend's giving, um, for a friend's giving uh, get together. And uh, there was a, a friend of mine that was hosting it that uh, opened up his app and went on Periscope, which I had never heard of it before. It's a live streaming platform. And so he was telling me, man, you should get on there. It's really cool. You get people from all over the world. They come in, they talk to you and you just talk about whatever. And I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't think really too much about it. Then one night, you know, I was, I was like, let me download this. And I just <laughs> observed. And so the next day I got this huge shipment in from my eBay store and, uh, cause I import a lot of stuff. And so I got in and was doing a scope on that. And all these people started coming in they started asking me questions about it. And I was answering people's questions and I was like, okay, I got to deal with this stuff. So let me, you know, I'll, I'll catch you guys later. And every time I came back on, I had more people asking me. Hey, how do you do that? Do you offer one-on-one -on -one coaching? Do you offer webinars? Do you offer courses? And I was like, I've never, I, I don't, I'm not sure <laughs> I don't do courses. You know, what do you mean? Uh, I'm not a coach. I don't coach any sports. What are you talking about? It was all new to me. And uh, I had so many people asking me consistently uh, that I decided to take it serious. So what I did was I went on and I uh, searched for a coach. And the first coach I hired, his name was Kelly James. He was a sales coach. And uh, I came to him with a very unique request. I said, hey, I want you to teach me how to coach. <laughs> Teaching people how to you know, improve their sales. And, and, and he was more of a sales coach. And I said, I know you teach sales, but I want you to teach me how to be a coach. Like how to do what you do. And yeah. uh, I've never had that request before. And so- um, And he, he just got into it. Yeah, he eventually agreed and I worked with him. Uh, I worked with Kelly for a while and uh, he taught me so much and uh, I did my first eBay class. I had over 26 people sign up uh, <laughs> like the first day or two and uh, I've done probably well over 20 of those classes in addition to probably over 50 other ones. Uh, so it just skyrocketed. Yes. 
very fast, very <laughs> fast, very fast by accident. <laughs> so let's say that the average person wants to get, you know, started into entrepreneurship. What do you think he or she should know to get started? Yeah, so that's a great question. And what I would probably say is one thing that they need to know is that um, everyone has a lane, okay? Don't try to get into something just because someone else is successful in it. You know, to give you a great example, let's say that your podcast just takes off and you start making tons of money from it. You get invited all over the country to interview people and to have people on your podcast. A lot of people should not want to go and start a podcast like you if they are not very good at speaking, if they're not very good at interviewing people. So what people got to understand is that go at what your strengths are, go at what you're comfortable with, because then um, you'll be more successful in it. Plus, it'll be more natural. Um, another thing that I'll say is that everything is monetizable. Um, I truly believe that. I believe you can monetize anything. That's what my slogan is, monetize everything. And uh, I truly believe that uh, you can do that um, if you just put your mind to it and you, you know, overlook all the things that can make you think, well, no one's going to want to buy that from me. Or there's other people out there that do what I do that are much more successful, much more well known. Nobody knows me. No one knew me when I did this. Right. So uh, I think what people have to understand is that you're information and skills is very valuable to people it's just important for you to take action and start right so how are you like supposed like there are going to be like thousands of ebay coaches there are going to be thousands of drop shipping coaches etc etc online as well so what separated like you from the rest what, so what do you think like can separate like the average person say if he wants to do social media marketing there will be thousands of social media marketing mm-hmm. uh, courses out there and coaching uh, and a lot of coaching out there. So what do you think can help separate them from the rest of the crowd? I think being uh, authentic. Uh, Whenever you look at a lot of people, uh, everything seems so scripted. Uh, You see just a ton of people that are offering these classes, offering these service, but it's very scripted, very well put. You don't really see anything except for just that person. With me, I wasn't planning on doing it like that. So I think that's what people attracted people to me. They just saw me doing it. You know, I, they saw my shipments. They saw all my stuff. They saw my products. And, you know, they were they were like, you know, how do you do that? Where do you get all that from? And so I think what, what separated me and what's going to help your listeners, and, and if you're listening, what I would say would separate you is show the people. People love to see receipts, you know, show them what you're doing, show them that you are someone that is knowledgeable and an expert in that information, in that space, show them um, the different things that you do, that you're trying, that you're trying to show that you can teach them. Because when people see it for themselves, they're going to be more organically open to doing business with you than they are with someone that is using words to potentially persuade them. Because a lot of the ads and stuff that I see, you rarely see people in their place of business or in their element of business. Um, you usually just see them kind of, you know, in a setting like this, um, and they're just, you know, <laughs> talking like a car salesman. This is why you need to do it. I did a million dollars last week, and you can do it too. And I did it with just five hundred dollars and an iPhone. And you know, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And yeah, so, yeah. You know, I think just be authentic. You know, because so many people they kind of you know give all this you know car salesman pitches, and 
then you got people that sign up for it, they go for it, and then they end up coming out totally um, underwhelmed. So just be authentic, show them what it is that you do, um, and basically just, um, I guess the words I'm looking for is display your expertise. Display your expertise so people can see you in your live element and you won't have to sell them. They'll be selling you on just getting a seat because every class that I've done since then, I limit it. I say, okay, this is how many people we're gonna take for this class. And uh, people have to sell me on getting a seat to be in my class. There's some people that don't get to make it. So I don't have to really sell people, people sell me. (laughs) And then, I mean, like even people like Ty Lopez has said that authenticity is number one, that's why he say he's able to separate his podcast, his courses, and his personal brand from the other people. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's true. I mean, you know, authenticity is big. You know, so many people, when the whole Bitcoin thing was out, everybody was a Bitcoin expert. You know, <laughs> they it off Bitcoin, all of a sudden, they were Bitcoin experts. Uh, it's like every time there's a new wave that comes in, you've got all these people talking about it. But here's the thing. When Bitcoin wasn't as popular, no one was talking about it. But as soon as it became popular, everybody was an expert. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think just being, you know, like me, there's times where I'll go live on my social media platforms and I'll I'll show myself trading live, like trading stocks. And I've had people like, oh, do you teach that? You know, can you teach us when you do a course? You know, I don't go on there and say, hey, I'm doing this stock. I don't let people take my word for it. I actually go on and show you live what I do. And uh, I think that separates me from everyone else because you get to see me actually doing what I'm promoting to teach. Yeah, I mean, like most people don't practice what they preach. <laughs> exactly, yeah, you got people, you know. I mean, teach. they just have the word expert, like social media expert, Bitcoin expert, yeah. and then trading expert, Forex expert, and then yeah. they don't know anything. <laughs> they, 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 bought, they bought $5 worth of you know, yen. (laughs) It's crazy to me. (laughs) And then how do you like, what questions do you recommend to ask yourself to make sure that entrepreneurship is the best choice for yourself? Because Gary Vee says that entrepreneurship isn't for everyone. It's only for certain people who are actually able to put in the work and stuff. So what are some questions? How do you like determine that entrepreneurship is the best choice for you? Great question. Uh, I would say one of the things that you got to look yourself in the mirror and you got to ask yourself, um, are you willing to do this for free? That's the first thing you have to ask yourself, because if you're doing it for the money up front, you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. And I know the main reason we get into business is to make money and that's all well and fine, but you're not going to make money up front. That's just not, it doesn't happen like that. And even if you do, you're not gonna make the money that you're expecting to make. So you gotta ask yourself, I think the first thing is, are am I willing to do what I'm about to do for free? That's number one. I think the second question you need to ask yourself is, uh, are you willing to put more time and effort than you put into other things in your life? Meaning, are you willing to get up one to two, maybe even three hours before you normally do? you normally wake up at eight o'clock, are you willing to get up at five? Uh, if you normally go to bed at 10 or 11 o'clock, are you willing to go to bed at one? Um, because you're going to have to put in more time when you're starting a business than you do anything else that you do. If you were 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., as long as you're in the office by 8.59, you're good to go. So that means that if you get up at least by eight, 
and your commute is no more than 10 minutes and you can get dressed in 10 to 15, you've got plenty of time to spare. You know, versus when you're in business, if you're working a nine to five, you got to be able to create some more hours. So you might have to get up at five o'clock instead of eight. You might have to go to bed at midnight instead of 10 or 11. So those are the things that you got to ask yourself. And then I think the third thing that you have to ask yourself is, are you ready for it right now? Is this the right time? Uh, meaning, do you got some things in your life that's going on? Are you going through a divorce? Are you going through... Um, you know, some legal stuff or you did you just lose your job and you have no savings? Is this the right time? Uh, I like to tell people no time is the best time. But if you've got a lot of life events that are taking on you emotionally, that's not a good time. But if you don't have life events that are taking you on emotionally like that, then now is the best time. So you're saying that it's usually, I mean, it's usually a good idea to start right now in case nothing else is going on. Right, because, you know, the thing is, is that if you're, because there's never a perfect time, you're never gonna find that perfect time. So if you're just, you know, most people, they're like, oh, I'm gonna start this business next year in January. I'm gonna start this business this summer. Well, what is keeping you from starting it right now? It's April, January is what, nine months away, you know, <laughs> months away. What is, what is keeping you from starting right now or at least taking preliminary steps to start this business? Why are you gonna wait until January 1st to do it? It's just like New Year's resolutions. Hey, I wanna lose weight, but I'm gonna do it on January 1st. Why can't you start doing it now? It's, it's May, like what's wrong with now? So I think, you know, looking for the best time just to look for it, you'll never start it. So as long as you can understand that Okay, you don't have anything that's going to be emotionally taxing because starting a business is very emotionally taxing. If you don't have anything that's taxing you emotionally from a life, a big life event perspective, I'm not saying, well, my job is very stressful and that's emotionally taxing. Well, this is one of the better times than ever to do it because this is going to help you get out. But what I'm meaning is something doing in your personal life outside of your job or outside of, you know, um, just general things that are going on with a TV show that you're watching that you're so emotionally attached to. <laughs> uh, marriage, you know, family, that kind of stuff, health. Um, long as you can overcome those three things, I think it's the best time. It's the best time than ever. And yeah, I mean, you uh, you must know Dan Lok, don't you? Like one of the other gurus on social media. You said I must be what? Knowing Dan Lok. Yeah, yeah. I, so, I, uh, Dan Lok recently made a video about not following your passion and he says that you shouldn't be, you're not allowed to follow your passion unless you've actually achieved something in life, unless you're actually making a living. Yeah. But then like people like Gary Vee said that you have to follow your passion, otherwise you're not going to be happy. So which school of thought is like, in your opinion, the better to stick with? <laughs> So what you're starting to see now, let me say this disclaimer first. What you're starting to see now is you're starting to see the gurus uh, kind of go in different directions. Because before, you know, gurus used to all say the same thing. Make more money, do this, do that. Everybody's kind of doing the same thing. Now you're getting more legit people. Dan Lott, legit. Gary V, legit. These guys are very legit. Um, and I like Dan Lok's principles and I like Gary Vee's principles. I think some of their principles are excessive on one or the other spectrum, um, but they're very good at what they do. Now, with that being said, I think one of the things is, is you got to figure out uh, what it, which one of those principles applies to you the most. Uh, I think that if you are someone that is passionate about uh, helping people, 
then that's very universal. You can start a business versus um, if you're someone that you just want to get into business to be able to free make yourself money, right? <laughs> to make money, then you know the passion thing is not going to be for you. Um, but I think for me, um, one of the things is is that it just has to make sense. I mean, sometimes your passion doesn't make sense for what it is that you're trying to do. You can be passionate about something, but business-wise, it doesn't make sense. So I think for me, what I would tell people is do what, what makes sense to you at that time. Because the more that you understand what it is that you're trying to do and actually doing, uh, the more success that you're going to have. Um, sometimes your passion is not, it doesn't provide enough clarity. And sometimes it could be very complicated, which means that you're going to be very frustrated during that process because you it, it started off complicated versus if you are um if it, if it makes sense but you're not necessarily passionate about it but you get it and you understand it that's probably the best direction to go perfect example um let's say that uh you are a let's say that you are a financial advisor and you are you work on wall street and you do stocks and you do all this stuff um, and you make a ton of money. <laughs> and you make a ton of money and you want to start a business and, and you don't want to do that anymore uh, because it's stressful, it's long hours and things like that. Well, the stock market is only open six hours a day. So if you could get away from working 12 hours a day, working on Wall Street for a corporation and just trade or teach people how to trade, you reduce yourself from 12 to six hours because the stock market is only open six hours. And it's only open five days a week. No, no major holidays. So for me, it would make sense for you to consider going into something like teaching people how to trade stocks or, you know, doing courses on stock trading or just trading full time for yourself versus uh, someone says, well, you've got a ton of cash and you live in a city that doesn't have many car lots. So maybe you should start a used car lot. And you're because there's an opportunity for it, you know, do you go with uh, and, and you love cars? Do you go with starting a car lot in your city because you absolutely love cars, you've got the cash to do it, and you've never done it before, you're really not sure what direction to go, and you know, it's kind of unnatural, you don't really like talking to people, and you know, that's one of the reasons you left corporate, you're tired of giving presentations. Well, you're giving presentations all the time to people selling the car, that won't make sense to you. But what does make sense, but may not be a passion is trading stocks, teaching people about stocks in the market. So I say go with what makes sense to you. Um, even if your passion is in cars, your, your passion may be into cars and what they have under the hood and not necessarily selling them to other people. So I think going with what you what you what makes sense and what you know versus going with something totally foreign just because part of it has a piece of your passion. I mean, but then let's say that your neighborhood is in need of a say, gardening store. And then uh, because there are like a ton of houses, you know, gardening is very popular within the nearest gardening store, say five to 10 kilometers away. So there's an opportunity for you to start um, a gardening store. Well, let's say that you don't know a thing about gardening. You think it's a better idea to say, take the plunge into gardening or just stick with what you're doing? Well, it depends. So if what you do, you got to figure out uh, how big of a need there is for it. Well, that's suppose like there's a there's a pretty big opportunity. So if there's a big opportunity, then what the first thing that you need to do is you need to find somebody that knows about lawn and garden. 
and you need to align yourself with that person and you need to bring that person into the fold. And if there's a much big need and there's a lot of money that's riding on this thing, maybe you offer a very, very, very small piece of ownership in addition to a salary to bring this person on to help you get this thing going. Uh, because what happens is if you don't know anything about soil and plants and taking care of different things like that, um, <laughs> You, you're, it doesn't matter what the opportunity is. If you're ordering, you know, a ton of palm trees for, you know, a, a, a flower store in Oklahoma where it gets winter and palm trees don't survive in this type of weather, you're gonna go out of business very fast because you're ordering stuff that the people that there that there is a need for, but it's not necessarily a need in the city that you're in. So I think it's very important for you that if there is an opportunity for something that you're not knowledgeable in, you need to align yourself with someone who is and, um, you know, work towards learning as much as you can. Because I think one of the big mistakes that people make is they bring someone in that knows about something and they just let them run the show and they don't try to learn anything. That's a bad, bad deal because that person can decide they don't want to do this no more. They can decide they want to move halfway across the country with their family um, and have to leave and then you're stuck. So I think when you do align yourself with someone like that, make sure that you absorb as much information as possible and educate yourself so that you can slowly understand how to run your business. And are there like, I mean, if you had to say, define a formula for success, what do you think would be the components of it? Uh, day. To form success, uh, you know, in any capacity, I think that you need to be working towards being debt free. Uh, so whether you're looking to start a business or you're looking to just be better in life and have success in life within your career, I think one of the main things that you need to do is focus on becoming debt free and getting debt free. Uh, I would not start a business in debt. Um, I would not go out and get a, you know, five or six figure or even seven figure you know loan on a business that you've never done or built before uh hoping to roll the dice and get it back um i think you try to start it with this with with what you have um the second thing that i would say is you need to be committed so being committed understanding that uh the things that you used to do before you can no longer do anymore if you're used to playing video games in your free time and you know, riding around and doing all the things that you want to do. I think you got to get committed to letting those things go uh, so you can focus more on your business. Um, I think also that you want to, uh, the other thing that I think you would add to that to for recipe of success is you want to be uh, soaking up as much information as possible, reading, um, watching videos on YouTube, learning from people, finding out what people are not doing. Uh, that's one of the best ways that you can actually see success is stop trying to mimic what other people are doing and try to find out what it is that they're not doing and incorporate that into your business or just your overall personal goal, you know, personal development model. Um, if you work in corporate and you see that people are constantly telling people what they're doing and what projects they closed out and, you know, sucking up to the boss, maybe you just close your stuff, keep your head down and, and, and keep to yourself. And usually, you know, people notice that uh, more than what people give credit for. Um, I think that when, when it comes to business, instead of trying to be and do exactly like Walmart or, or exactly like Amazon and, and doing the exact same model as them because you seek success, find out what it is that they're not doing. What is it that they're not carrying? What is it that 
you know, there's a lot of things on Amazon that doesn't come with Prime. So do you come up with something where everything comes with two day delivery? You come up with something where you can negotiate with the sellers, you know, find out what it is that they're not doing and incorporate the things into your business model so that you have so you can separate yourself because, you know, people love options. But the thing that separates one from the other is when one has more options or one has something that the other doesn't in addition to several other similarities. So I think those are the things that I would say uh, that goes into my personal recipe of success. So there is a recipe for success. <laughs> and I think the last thing, let me say this, change your circle. Um, when you are going to another level in your life uh, for business or career or personal finance, whatever, change your circle. Sometimes, you know, the reason that we stay in the same place that we are is because we keep hanging around the same people that we've been hanging around. And sometimes those people aren't business minded, they're not goal oriented, they don't care about finances. And so, of course, uh, you know, one thing that I think Dan Locke has said before, is show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Uh, so the thing is, I think you want to change your mindset by changing your circle. Um, because once you change your circle and you start to bring people into your circle that have those same, that have achieved some of that same success that you're looking to achieve or are doing some of the things that you're looking to do, your mindset will change when you start to see how different they carry themselves and the things that they do. And how do you raise capital if you want to like bring in investors, if you want to bring in a venture capitalist? Or someone like that how do you actually convince them to give you a bit of startup capital well you need to have a plan i mean you know most of the time you know people talk about a business plan which is you know still well needed i don't think you have to go as in depth as some traditional business plans are uh, but i think you just have to have a plan in mind on how the business is going to work how it's going to be profitable but most of all how is it going to grow because the thing is, is that you can show me how we can make five to ten to to a hundred thousand dollars now but how are we going to make you know 250 to a million dollars later how are we going to handle that what what is the plan for that because you know i don't want to just sit here and incubate in this small area and everything just go fine because if i'm only making if i if you want me to give you fifty thousand dollars of my money and you're only telling me that this is how we can make a hundred thousand dollars a month within the first year and consistently just make that and that's only after expenses and everything that's only giving me back a couple of thousand dollars a year well it's going to take me over 10 years to make my fifty thousand dollars back before i can turn a profit i don't want to hear about that i want to hear how am i going to turn my profit the fat how are you going to turn a profit the fastest and how is the profit margins for, for me as an investor going to to be bigger and grow what's the plan for that if you can show a person a plan for that uh nobody they don't mind putting in the money because a lot of investors they've got cash but they don't have a lot of time because they make their cash from other things that they're doing it takes a lot of their time so this is why you have investors that go out and invest in other companies because they want their money to continue to work for them for people who do have time to go into something that's profitable that they don't necessarily have um, but you better have a plan in place to show how you can make money quick and fast and consistently and also how you can grow it and make more over time. So it's basically just a matter of convincing them with a plan. Yes. So what do you think, of, uh, and then talking about plans, what do you think a business plan should consist of? Um, I think a business plan should consist of what your product or service is, who the target market is, 
why that target market is going to want that product so bad. Uh, I think one of the things that I would like to look at is who out there is doing what it is that you do. A lot of people think that they got to always come up with something that nobody else is doing. And sometimes that is the, the worst next Uber. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It's someone, it, sometimes that's the worst thing to sell to people because, you know, people don't want to say, you, you know, I don't want someone coming to me like, hey, I want, if you invest $100,000, I'm going to show you how we can go and kidnap Martians on Mars and bring them up. <laughs> No one's doing it. That's gonna scare me. I don't, and, and they might pull it off, but that's as an investor, that doesn't sound appealing to me. But you know, so I think what needs to be in there in your plan is uh, what product or service you're gonna offer. Uh, who are the competitors for that product or service? And I think you need to show in your business plan what is going to separate you from those potential competitors and uh, how you plan to disrupt that marketplace. Uh, you got to have what I like to call a disruption plan because, you know, Amazon, when Amazon got into retail, they disrupted retail because they did it totally different. Um, it was all based on online ordering and convenience, right? People having to be able to order what they want and not having to leave their house. Now they have to wait a couple of days, but it's going to come. Uh, that was a disruption because the way that we traditionally shop before you had to get, you know, put some clothes on, get in your car, go to the place, hunt through aisle by aisle, finding what it is that you're looking for. Then you got to get in line, wait, wait to your turn to check out. And then you got to check out you know, go out to your car, put, you know, and, and that's just a process. So uh, they it's disrupt the way that we shop. Yeah, they disrupt it. So even though, yes, you could get things same day versus ordering, think of all the hassle that you had to do to get it the same day. You might leave your house at 11 o'clock to go get something that's 45 minutes away and not get back home until three or four hours later, just because of the hustle and bustle of getting a parking spot, going aisle by aisle, looking at stuff and then waiting to check out and then traffic and all of the other stuff. And it took you five, six hours to go and get something that you might enjoy for just a moment uh, versus you could go and uh, order it on Amazon and your day is over. So I think uh, just finding out how you can disrupt the market that you're looking to get into uh, is, is is key. And what are your tips, and talking about competition, what are your tips on trying to beat the competition? Because if you actually go through Amazon's financial statements, it's not actually doing a very good job of beating uh, its competitors simply because a lot of people just buy in China and then they sell it on a Shopify store or something. They just drop ship it. And since that's cheap, they may they try, they try to make it cheaper than Amazon. And then Amazon is selling stuff at a 4% or less than 4% margin. So how do you make sure that you're able to kick out your competition and, st uh, and still not go out of business? Well, I think what, you, what people have to worry about is that your job is not to sell it cheaper than the next person. Sometimes that's not good, you know? I mean, if you think about it, Ford was one of the original car manufacturers, right? Uh, and then as the car manufacturing thing has changed and Ford was a cheaper model too, uh, then you enter BMW, Mercedes, Lexus, you know, all these more expensive brands that are two to three times more than what you pay for a brand new Ford. 
and Ford was the original car maker. These were competitors trying to do what Ford was doing, but they were selling something two to three times more expensive than the original manufacturer that's well known. So I think what the most important thing is, is that you want to find out what it is that your competition's not doing. And one, I think one of the biggest things you need to do is stop trying to focus on making yourself cheaper than the other person, because some people like the uh, how expensive things are. Uh, this is why, you know, uh, the thing is Starbucks. Starbucks. Yeah. Like Starbucks is $6 yeah. a Starbucks day. Starbucks versus like 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven coffee is what, <laughs> nine, you know, 89 cents versus a coffee half that size. At Starbucks is four buck, four to five dollars, half the size of a 99 <laughs> cup of coffee, you know. So, and I'll be honest, I've tried, uh, you know, just straight up black coffee from Starbucks and straight up coffee from 7 Eleven, and there's not much of a difference. Now, they got other foo foo stuff or whatever that you <laughs> do it, but uh, for the most part, uh, you know, general coffee, I mean, if you think about it, when, when, think about when Starbucks opened its doors. People were used to buying coffee for literally cents, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 cents. And this place opens up called Starbucks is selling coffee starting at $4 a cup. And all of a sudden they're like one of the fastest growing, you know, coffee stores in America or in the world because people just can't get enough of it. They love that expensive coffee. And oh, and they get free Wi-Fi. You know, it's like, <laughs> pay for that Wi-Fi if you think about it. I mean, for every hundred, cups of coffee they sell you know the wi-fi is paid for for the month and they probably sell 100 cups of coffee an hour so um you know i think one of the things you need to focus on to disrupt your competition is how you're going to disrupt them by offering something different and offering something that's going to change the uh the the model of the way that the consumers or the the target market reacts to that particular niche and uh, I think just making sure that uh, you're not trying to underprice yourself. That's an old way of doing business and that no longer works anymore. But how, uh, but, I mean, like, what if your brand offer is pretty much the same? Let's say you're selling cheese. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's made by Kraft or if it's made by Great Value, no. or if it's going to be made by Joe's Cheese Company. I mean, it's still cheese. Yeah, so how do you, like, come up with a better brand offer for something that competitive? I mean, don't overthink it. I mean, when, when you look at Walmart and Target, they pretty much sell the same thing. Um, you know, Walmart has um, has uh, the Great Value brand. So you can buy Great Value cheese, Great Value butter. Yeah. And then um, Target has, I think it's called a like Marketplace, uh, Marketplace cheese, Marketplace butter. But when you look at them, it's just two different packages but the cheese, the shredded cheese looks the same. The, the sticks of butter look exactly the same. They it just tastes the different. same. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And, and <laughs> it's I the same thing. 50, 60% of the time it's made from the same place. Uh, so I think what you have to do is you have to, uh, I don't think you just put something out there saying that, you know, your product's better. Let's just say that we're selling cheese and let's say that on uh, my competition is saying, um 100 um you know 100 this cheese is made with 100 milk no additives uh in addition to 100 milk if mine is made the same way and it's also made with no artificial coloring artificial this i'm going to put made with 100 cheese with no artificial coloring and no artificial whatever something that they're not putting right it's the same thing but maybe they're not putting something that 
people would care about on the packaging that you can. And uh, I think that was separated as well. Again, theirs could be 100% art, you know, no additives, but they didn't put that on the packaging. They just put it on made with 100% milk. Well, guess what? You could put that on there because that's one thing that they didn't forget. And again, you could toss the price up because someone looking at the packaging, they're going to sit that one right back up because they said, well, it's just only 100% milk. But this one has 100% milk. It also has no additives and it's organic and it's grass-fed cow milk and all this other stuff. Uh, more people are going to probably jump on that than they will the other thing. And it's the same stuff. I mean, and then you could just put something like Dutch or Belgian or something, some exotic country, and then that's going to increase sales. Yeah, made in Italy, you know, <laughs> from Italy, you know, whatever, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's all, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You know, that's what people are trying to do. People are trying to do the next Google, the next, uh, Uber and all that other stuff, and and that, and that's fine if you got something that's legitimately a passion of yours and something that you created, and you see you see something there. But outside of that, man, you know, just just stick with what you know. People love choices, and just know your competition has rubbed somebody the wrong way, and they're looking for somebody else. So that's going to be instant customers for you as well. Just don't overthink the market. And do you think you should start a business as a side hustle or a main hustle? Because what Gary Vee says is that if you have a nine to five, then you can work seven to two on your goals. So you have seven hours to work on them. But then I don't think in seven hours you can achieve what someone say, uh, like a 25 year old working on say a real tech company kind of thing, working 16 hours a day, you can achieve that. So do you think like it's something like a personal brand that can be done in seven hours? Do you think you should like start with some kind of side hustle, like a personal brand? Or do you think you should just jump right into it? Because you I, just know what you're doing. No, I, that's a great question. And I tell people all the time, don't go and quit your job just to jump right into a business, right? Because your brand may suck. And because it may suck, you're going to need somebody to make, you know, to help you through it so it, so it doesn't suck. And so uh, if you are jumping right into it and now you have no more income coming in, you're 100% dependent on your savings and the business working, which means that you know, now you're literally uh, hoping that, you know, you don't run out of gas, uh, you know, on a, on a cross country trip, you know, and you have, you know, so I think what people need to focus on is focusing on the, um, the amount of money that's coming in. I tell people all the time, until you can double what your income is, you should not want to quit your job. And some people might say, well, if I make $50,000 a year and I'm able to make $50,000 within my business, should I quit then? No, because what you're not, you know, taking into account is you're not taking into account taxes. You're not taking into account, and it's a different tax bracket. You're not taking into account, you got to hire a bookkeeper and accountant to keep up with that stuff. You got to pay for certain, you know, subscriptions and stuff to keep your business legit. Uh, you've got to cover, uh, you know, uh, health insurance and stuff that many people don't consider uh, until they have to use it. So I'd say no, uh, stay with your business or stay with your job uh, until you've at least gotten to a point to where you could double your income in your business, in your side hustle, consistently. So you're saying do your side hustle, make sure that you make double the income of your job and then uh, jump and then make that your main hustle. Absolutely. And then if you leave, so let's say you're young, you're just 25 years old, you just graduated college. Let's say that you have no debt, you just went to community college. And then 
do you think that it's a good idea to just start a business since you have no responsibility or do you think it's not a good idea because you don't have any savings you have nothing right it's not um your job could be one of the best investors that you have uh just because you'll have what you call um what you'll call disposable income um if you just go and start a business right out of college and you have no money eventually you're gonna have to borrow some money or something because you know it's hard to start a business for free it's 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 definitely possible but it's very difficult so uh i think that anyone that's looking to start a business one of the best things that you could do for yourself if you don't have a ton of money is uh go and get a job live as lean as possible and save as much as your disposable income as possible and start working on your business right then and there uh to get yourself to a point to where you can go ahead and let it go and go into your business full time so it's not worth taking the risk at 25. no no not without any money it's not <laughs> <laughs> so and would you recommend starting say a real real business or would you recommend keeping it online because online you can just work from home you can just sit down on your couch and do stuff or you think you should just go and do it out like in a real workplace well it depends on what kind of business you want to start i mean that's the most important thing that you need to figure out is you need to figure out it's no longer it's no longer a question of do i want to start an online business or an offline business the question is what type of business do you want to start uh do you want to start a daycare or do you want to start a uh an an, an online uh, coaching business uh do you want to start a uh pizza restaurant or do you want to start a uh an e-commerce business right what what is it that you're looking to do because If you want to start a pizza restaurant where well, you got to go offline no matter how much you want to do it online it's hard to deliver pizzas if your business is 100% online you know and there's not a person that can come in and look at it uh so my thing is you want to figure out what kind of business you want to start first uh and then you know go with what makes sense now I will say starting an offline business can be a lot more stressful and it could be a lot more uh cost uh because you know most of the time when you're renting commercial property such as a storefront or something like that uh i know here in the US uh usually most commercial leases started about 3 years so you got to be able to think okay is this business going to be able to survive for 3 years and is it going to make enough to cover what this is going to be because let's say that you start your business and it folds within the first year you're still on the hook for paying the rent for the next 2 years right So that's something that you got to think in the back of your mind is this something that I can do. And what do you tips when you screw up? Yeah. <laughs> when you start a business and you screw up, what do you think you should do? Um learn learn from your mistakes. Um where is it that you screwed up? Um what could you have done differently and can you still recover? Uh if you if if, if you can't answer 110% confidently that you can recover from that mistake. You need to cut your losses immediately before you lose any more. Uh if you've learned from your mistake, you found out where you made the mistake, you can correct that mistake and you could say without a shadow of a doubt 110% that you can fix the problem and recover from it, then you can still continue to run your business. Um so I think that's the main thing when you screw up, uh find out where you screwed up at. What could you have done differently and can you recover from it? And you need to do that fast. because time is money and uh the more time you spend on it the more money you're going to lose uh so if you're something that you can't figure out pretty quickly and you can't tell yourself 
a hundred with, with with great confidence that you can recover from this you need to cut your losses immediately and um regroup get yourself together and start up again and so it's not like a, so if you say, so let's say you can't recover and you have to say file for chapter 11 or something mm-hmm. so what do you think so apart from chapter 11 do you have any other options um no i would not borrow any money um unless you know that you can resolve it but uh you know if you got to file chapter 11 i think you need to get you a good attorney you need to get you, you need to go to your accountant to sit down with them and figure out how do you navigate through that process because that's going to be a process uh, and you got to figure out okay what what i can and what i can't do and then the next thing you got to figure out is uh what can you liquidate because you're going to have to start paying some people back and how can you make money in the interim because Anything that comes when you go through a chapter 11 in a business, uh, whenever you sell that $50,000 stove for $30,000, that money's not just going to go to you and you can use to pay your rent and stuff. It's going to go to your creditors, you know, the people that you owe. So uh, I think one of the first things you need to do is once you figure out how you're going to navigate through that process, uh, I think the next thing that you got to figure out is how you're going to make money and survive during this process. You got to get back into the workforce. Do you? Uh, what do you got to do? You know, do you got to do some Uber? You know, do you got to do some Postmates? Um, so I think those are the things that you got to figure it out. But the first thing you need to do is sit down with your attorney and your accountant, and you need to figure out how we're going to navigate through this the most possible way. And then the next question, once you get that kind of squared away, is how am I going to survive personally? Uh, during this process because you still got to eat sleep and, and all the above during this whole thing but then like if you realize what exactly your mistake was and but then you had to file for chapter 11 since you didn't have the resources to you know overturn your losses but then you know exactly what went wrong and then you know how to fix it you think it's worth going and giving it another shot absolutely and, i mean like how are you going to get like investors how are you going to like gain the trust of other people again I mean, you screwed up once there's a lot of people that have filed several that, that have bankrupted several companies and still continue to get investors. Uh, investors have short term memory. Now, you're not going to be able to get a lot of the same investors, but you can get new investors. Uh, again, uh, one of the things is I would not try to focus on where you can get the money yourself, if, if at all possible. Uh, because you, you know, investors, the thing with investors and, you know, I'm an investor, so, I mean, I can speak to this. We want our money back as quick as possible. And we want to start making money as fast as possible. So we're going to be checking in early and often on how things are going because you are, you are basically supposed to be protecting our investment. And so, um, you know, I think that, uh, one of the things that you want to do is you want to, um, if you know you can correct it, you know you can fix it, uh, the the main thing that you need to do or that you're going to have to do is you're going to have to figure out, uh, is you know, am I even in a position to, to start this again? If you're still in the middle of Chapter 11 and you still owe thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, we need to get that resolved first. You don't want to start a business when you still got all this debt from another business lingering over you, um, especially with other people's money. So I like to tell people, go into business with a clear conscience, especially from a financial perspective. You're already stressing about money from something else. 
uh, it, you're not going to be able to, you know, give your your business the amount of time and effort that you need and attention because your mind is still over here. Absolutely. Say, resolve that first so that your time and attention over here is well spent. Yeah, absolutely. So just don't get the same investors again. <laughs> you're not going to get them. Uh, you know, most investors, you know, they're they've lost money. you know investors understand i've lost money i mean we, we understand the you know that's just the nature of the business but i tell you what there's a lot of people i would never do business with again because of that so um but there's other people who have and who will uh so i think it's just making sure that you got everything taken care of from your old uh situation so that you can put as much time and attention into your new one and what are your tips on staying patient during entrepreneurship? So like Cal Opus has said that what you want in life and what your goals are in life are probably going to take 18 to 36 months longer than what you think it's going to take yeah. uh, you. And then the thing is like in social media, it's just full of all the fake gurus and stuff and opposing with Lambos and Bugattis and yeah. <laughs> with mansions and, you know, sitting on a private yeah. villa in Polynesia. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, how do you, like, take your mindset out of those people and just focus on working? Well, um, I think what you have to do is you've got to understand that uh, I don't agree with Ty Lopez a lot, but one of the things I'll, I'll agree with him on on this one is that that this is going to be, uh, you know, a, a long-term situation, not a short-term. Um, I think one of the things that you got to focus on is you got to focus on for every dollar that you make, now that you know how to make a dollar, how do you make 10? How do you make five? You know, just focus on how you can grow what it is that's coming in. Because when you start a business, the moment that you can make a dollar, you're considered an expert to a lot of people. There's a lot of people that have been in business for a while and they still have not made $1. They have an LLC, they got a, you know, all that stuff, but they don't want to do it. So I think one of the things that you need to focus on the most is, okay, I've made $10,000 this month, but how do I make $20,000 next month? I think if you continue to focus on the growth, uh, all those things that you want will come because at some point you're going to get to a point to where you're like, okay, I'm at 150,000. How do I make 200,000? Oh, wait a minute. I'm at $150,000 a month. You know, like I remember when I was at a thousand dollars a month. So now I can afford to go and build that house that I want to build. I can go and afford to do this because I've got this much money coming in. So now before you know it, because you were so big on growth, once you start to realize, oh, wow, I remember whenever I was like, I made a thousand, how do I make three? I made three, how do I make five? And now I'm talking about how do I get from 150 to 200,000 next month? Wow, you know, now it's here. Versus if you're just thinking, Man, yeah. I made a thousand dollars, but the house that I want is 300,000. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still got $10,000 in payroll, so I need to come up with another 9,000. Now you're stressed out. You know, just focus on the growth. Focus on how do you keep going and keep growing and keep, you know, going to the next level. That's what you want to focus on. And then to wrap up the interview, I just wanted to ask you, what are some of the harsh truths of entrepreneurship? Um, that uh, success is not guaranteed. Uh, that's a harsh truth. I think everybody that thinks that if they become an entrepreneur, that they're going to be successful. And that's a lie. Um, there's there's entrepreneurs that's been doing this for 10 years and they have no success. Um, I think uh, understanding that if you do start to have success, that all the things in your life are going to be great. And that's not. 
um, more money, more problems. Uh, Why not? So, well, because you'll understand, man, there's things in your life that are bigger than money. There's things in your life that are bigger than money. And, 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 and because of that, sometimes we don't realize that when we don't have money, because we we always think if I just had more money, I wouldn't have these problems. My wife would love me more. My husband would would be happier. Uh, you know, we wouldn't have to live in this apartment. We could have our own house. We, you know, uh, instead of budgeting for a vacation, we could go on vacations every month. You know, you're thinking about all that stuff, but you know, there's usually a deeper problem. So I think that people have to understand that just because you get into entrepreneurship uh, does not, and you start to become successful in it, making money, your problems aren't going to go away. Your problems are still going to be there. And if anything, they will intensify. Uh, so I think that that's something that people got to understand as well. The more money that you make, the more problems you're going to have and any problems that you have before you started making the money, they will intensify. A lot of people think they make money and the problems are going to go away or they're going to be less, uh, less painful. They're going to be more painful. Um, it's just like Goliath. The bigger you are, the harder you'll fall. And if you had to give tips to entrepreneurs, a bunch of starting off entrepreneurs, what would your tips be? Um, have a goal in mind uh, and, 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 and be able to immediately set a new one when you obtain the, when you achieve the other one. Don't make your, your first goal so big that, it's, that it looks like it's gonna take forever to achieve. Uh, you know, maybe your first goal would be, okay, my first goal is I want to make $10,000 in business within, you know, in a month. That might take you three months. It might take you six months. It might take you a year. It might take you 24 months, but that's a great goal to start with versus I want to make a million dollars in a month. That is a difficult goal to get to do when you get into business, no matter how much money you have behind you. Even if you start a brand new Mercedes car lot and you got an investor to pay for all the cars and get you a state-of-the-art uh, office space and, and, and car lot and everything like that, a million dollars a month is still a very big goal even for something like that. So make your goal small and achievable. Uh, I, I'd say the next thing that you want to do is get a vision board. Uh, a vision board is something that you start to put things on that uh, of what you want to achieve from that business. Do you want a big high-rise office at some point? Do you want a, you know, nicer corporate vehicles? Do you want your people to wear certain nice-looking name-brand uniforms? You know, put a vision board together uh, so that you can kind of see the vision of your goal instead of, you know, because it's one thing to have them written down, but it's another thing to see. When you can see them, ooh, it, it just does. <laughs> it does something to you. My mentor, he has this. Uh, his goal is he wants to buy this boat that's about $5 million and the boat is beautiful. It is huge. It's got three levels. It's got rooms in it, a kitchen, a bar. I mean, it's a, this is a boat. And he got, got it on his desktop. And every time I go to his office to visit him and, and talk with him, he has that boat up. And he's got an extra monitor that he does not use just to see that boat. And that's what drives him. He owns a very successful uh, business here, uh, has multiple locations, opening up another location in another state. He does very well for himself, very well. And uh, that that's one of his goals now. You know, one of his first goals is he wanted all his people to have custom trucks with his logo of his business in there. He's got 10 trucks on the road now, um, probably more than that. Uh, he wanted a bigger office than the office that he moved into. Now he moved into an office that's three times the size of his old office. 
uh, he wanted to be one of the only, you know, biggest, baddest, you know, custom builders here. Now he's the only one that does it. And I mean, it's, he, he's achieved so much stuff, but he set a goal for all of it. So set small attainable goals and immediately set another one once you obtain the small one so that you're continually growing and you'll see huge success. So just keep a goal, focus on it, and you know, plan for it and then execute on that plan. Absolutely. And that's pretty much like the secret to success. That's that's my secret anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, definitely send me a link and uh, uh, I'm definitely going to subscribe to it and uh, definitely can't wait to hear this episode. <laughs>